0: And close your eyes bow your heads and, and close your eyes every head is bowed every eye is closed I need your help I need to know who I'm preaching to this morning I know that some of you abstained from raising your hands earlier but I, I, I need you to do this one for me we're going to talk about a scale of one to five here okay five being I know for sure 100% that I am going to heaven when I die Five is I am 100% sure, not one shadow of doubt. I am a five preacher, raise your hand. I know for sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, put your hands down. One, I know for sure I'm not going to heaven. I know for sure that I am lost. In fact, that's why I came here to church. I'm hoping for somebody to answer this question, must, what must I do to be saved? But I do not know that I'm going to heaven. Or rather, I know that I'm not. I'm a one. Would you raise your hand? Nobody else is looking, only me. Maybe you fall somewhere in the two, three, or four. I, I think I'm going, but I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. Some days I think I am. Some days I think I'm not. I am somewhere in the middle. I'm struggling with some doubt with it. I just don't know. That's me, two, three, or four. Would you raise your hand? I'm a two, three, or four. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mhm. 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 Okay. All right. I know who I'm preaching to. Thank you. You can go ahead and put your heads up now and turn to Jeremiah chapter two. If you are a five, I'm preaching at you. If you are a one, I'm preaching at you. If you're a two, three, or four, I'm definitely preaching at you. All right. Let's go ahead and stand. Jeremiah chapter two. Jeremiah chapter two. I have to say, probably of all of those numbers right there, who I'm preaching to the most this morning is if you are a five. That's who I'm preaching to. And you'll see what I mean in just a little bit. Jeremiah chapter two. We have a lot of reading to do and I'm going to stop and explain when I need to, but the message is gonna be going back through and explaining it. So let's just get right into it. Jeremiah chapter two, verse 12. Here's what God says. Be astonished. O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid, be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. Evil number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Evil number two, they have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. It's an underground container, basically, okay? Think of a a canteen. Look at this question here. Is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? The young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. Also the children of Naf and Tehapanes, those are Egyptian cities. Very important. What kind of cities are they? Egyptian, Egyptian cities. The children of Noph and Ahapanes have broken the crown of thy head. Now, it's a poetic way of talking about who, do you think? Who is that talking about in the nation of Israel? The crown of thy head. The king. Yes, the king. Hast thou not procured this unto thyself, and that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, when he led thee by the way? I'm going to read these next verses very Very purposefully, okay? I'm going to put emphasis on a certain syllable and I want you to follow along, okay? 18, and now what hast thou to do in the way of Egypt? To drink the waters of Sihor or what hast thou to do in the way of Assyria? To drink the waters of the river. I want you to read this verse with me, okay? Thine own wickedness shall correct thee and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Okay, now just follow along. For of old time I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands. And thou saidst, I will not transgress. You promised me at Mount Sinai that you would be my people and I would be your God. When upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest playing the harlot you know what he's saying you are cheating on me you told me you would not leave me you told me you would put no other gods before me and now under every green tree you're worshiping somebody else yet i had planted thee a noble vine holy a right seed how then art thou turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine Unto me. For though thy wash thee with ni- uh, thou wash thee with nitre, and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. How canst thou say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. See thy way in the valley. Know what thou hast done. It's talking about the valley of Hinnom that's right next to Jerusalem. And we'll get back to that in a little bit. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. Anybody know what a dromedary is? I had to look it up, it's a camel. If you knew what it is, you are smarter than me. I've got no clue. What in the world is a dromedary? Thou art a dromedary, a swift dromedary, traversing her ways, a wild ass used to the wilderness that snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure. In her occasion, who can turn her away? All they that seek her will not weary themselves. In her month they shall find her. What in the world is he talking about? We will come back and explain it. Withhold thy foot from being unshod and thy throat from thirst. But thou saidst there is no hope. No, for I have loved strangers and after them will I go. As the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets, this this disease of idolatry and leaving God has soaked you from head to foot, saying to a stock, a, a stump, a piece of wood, thou art my father, and to a stone thou hast brought me forth for they have turned their back unto me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they will say, arise and save us. You get that? You get that? You get what God is saying? Yes. Where are thy gods that thou hast made? Let them arise. If they can save thee in the time of thy trouble. For according to the number of thy cities are thy gods, O Judah. You got plenty of them. Let them help you. Wherefore will ye plead with me? Ye all have transgressed against me, saith the Lord. I want to talk to you about forsaking God. Heavenly Father, please bless the preaching of your word, the reading of your word as I feel it already has. Help us to focus in. Save the soul here that does not know you as a Savior, uh, as, your, as their savior. Please call the prodigal home. Help those who are thinking of forsaking you to throw that idea away. Help those who have forsaken you to come back today and to come back for the right reasons. Help those who have decided not to to understand it's a right decision. Lord, let us be fearful of what will happen in our lives when we forsake you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'll give you about 10 seconds to get settled. How many of you, it's your first time? It's your first time. Raise your hand if it's your first time. Okay. All right. I know I'm young, but I am... I try to be the pastor, okay? In the seven and a half years that I have been here at this church, seven and a half years in full-time ministry at Heritage Baptist Church, which is crazy to think of if if you ask me, I have met a lot of people. We don't have an enormous church, but I've met a lot of people. I I have talked to, I, I would be willing to say, over a thousand different people about their lives. And I have to tell you this. Out of all those people that I've spoken to about their lives, that have shared their testimony of their past with me, the majority of them, and I'm sorry to say this, but the majority of them have told me of a time in their life when they forsook the Lord. And they say it in this this way, "I, I grew up in church, but I got away from God. Or I knew what was right, I I, I was raised religiously, but I ran from God. They'll say something like that. There was a time in my life when I did my own thing. You You could put it in a lot of different ways. It is unfortunately true that it is unusual for somebody to be able to say truthfully, as I grew up, I was ushered close to God, and then I chose to stay close to God, and now I am dying close to God. It's unusual for somebody to have that testimony. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Now listen, everybody is going to come to a point of decision, everybody, every single one of you is gonna come to a point of decision where you must choose God or the world, You must choose, do I stay with God or do I go to the world? And in my experience, when people come to that decision, the majority of them choose the world. Now, those are the same people who find their way to Heritage Baptist Church and weep the entire time I preach. Those are the same people who catch me afterwards and try to tell me of how their life is in ruins and they need help. Those are the same people who beg me to pray or to go and visit their kids because their kids are living in sin and messed up in drugs and messed up with the wrong crowd and messed up with alcohol and and immorality. Those are the same people who ask me for their help or who ask me to help them. Those are the same people who say, my husband left me. My wife left me. My kids are gone. Those are the people, the ones who have forsaken the Lord. Now, some of those people are the ones who have come back to this place and they have found the Lord again. And that's great. But those are the same people who are still haunted by their past and haunted by those years that they will never get back. Those years that were wasted serving the world and not serving the Lord. And what I want to show you this morning is just as you can choose to forsake the Lord and suffer the consequences of it, you can choose to stay. You can choose to stay with the Lord and reap the benefits of it. It should not be unusual for somebody to stay with the Lord. It should not be unusual for somebody to say, I have found the fountain of living waters and I've stayed there ever since. It should not be unusual. Forsaking the Lord should be unusual. Not staying with him, but many people choose to forsake the Lord. And it's been happening for a very long time. It even happened in Jeremiah's day. And what we just read, all those verses were a description of what happens when a person forsakes the Lord. Are we following? What we just read is a description of what happens when somebody says, I'm done doing things God's way. I'm going to do things my way. You just read a description of what happens when somebody says, I am done trusting in God to help me. I'm going to trust myself or I'm going to trust the world. I'm done drinking at the fountain of living waters. I'm going to carry water in my own vessel and I'm going to fill that vessel with water from the world. What you just read is a description of what happens when somebody says, I'm done following God and I'm going I'm to forsake the Lord. They were forsaking him back then, and God in his wisdom looked forward and saw billions of people, including you and me, that would be tempted to make that same choice. And so he used Jeremiah's voice to give us four lessons to show us the foolishness of making such a bad decision. You know, there are two ways to kill a bad decision. There's two ways to kill a wrong desire in somebody. God teaches it in his word. There's two ways that I as a preacher can kill a wrong desire in your heart. You know way number one? Teach you the benefits of ignoring that wrong desire. Teach you the blessings of ignoring and avoiding that wrong desire. That is way number one, to get you to kill a wrong desire. You know another way? Show you the pain of choosing that wrong desire. I can either show you the blessings of making a good decision or I can show you the pain of making a bad decision. And what God does in this passage and what I'm going to do in this this message is put some fear in you about what will happen if you forsake the Lord. Every one of you is going to face this decision at some point in your life stay with God or forsake Him. Now, some of you have decided, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay with the Lord. I will not forsake him. I hope this message anchors that decision in your heart. Amen. Now, teens, you focus and pay attention. If you're taking notes, I'm not talking to you. If you're falling asleep, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I want this to anchor that decision in your heart. You know it's too late for a lot of other people. But if you have made the decision, I'm going to stay. I want you to anchor that decision in your heart through this message. Now, some of you, you're thinking about it. You're facing this decision right now. And part of you wants to stay with God, but another part of you wants to leave. Part of you sees the benefits of this life, and part of you doesn't want anything to do with this life. Part of you sees the safety of rules, Part of you wants to rebel against the rules and you are coming to this decision. And by the way, the church is very important in your decision of whether or not you're going to stay or forsake the Lord. I'm getting real sick of people trying to separate the church and God. In fact, one of the first signs that somebody is about to forsake the Lord is they forsake his wife. The first sign to a pastor, to me, that you're on your way out away from the Lord is you stop coming to church. You used to come to Sunday school. You don't come to Sunday school anymore. You used to come to Sunday morning. You don't come Sunday morning anymore. You used to come faithfully. You don't come faithfully. You used to be involved in church. You're not involved in church anymore. You're on your way out. You're not on your way in. Let me show you the pain of the way that you're walking. And beg you to turn around. You know the Bible word for that? Repent. And come back and do what you're supposed to do. If you are thinking, you know, I I think I'm going to leave. I think I'm going to forsake the Lord. I hope this message massacres that desire. Some of you, you've already made your decision. You've already forsaken the Lord. And yet you're here. You're here in body, but you're not in spirit. You're here because your parents made you, or you're here because your significant other said, we're going to church today, or you're here because somebody put an ultimatum on you. If you don't get your life together, then this and this and this is gonna happen. And you thought, what better way than to come to church? So you're here, but I'm guessing you're miserable. I'm guessing this is the last place that you wanna be. I'm guessing I have been going for about 10 minutes now and you're thinking, when is he gonna be quiet? As long as you're here, let me give you the truth. As long as you are here, let me predict your future if you keep on walking away from the Lord. Now, some of you have forsaken Him, but you want to come back. You've made a wrong choice in the past, but you want to make a right choice now. And you want to come back to Him. Let me teach you what that entails. It is possible. It is possible to come back. God wants you to come back. But let me teach you, you can start your return to the Lord today, but you had better be returning for the right reasons or God is not going to be pleased. Too many people treat God as a rabbit's foot and they run from him until they get in trouble. God save me. Wait a second. Wait a second. It is possible for you to return. But what you need to do, you you will never return before you repent. And plenty of people want to come to God with no no intention of repenting. They just want God to get them out of their trouble. And as soon as he gets them out of their trouble, they, they make some type of foxhole vow. Have you ever heard of that? Lord, if you get me out of this, then I will. And so God gets you out of it, and then you forget your vow. He sees right through it. You will never return to God until you repent from your ways. I'm telling you, get. you want to come back? Get right. Get right. And if you're a one, two, three, or four, get saved first. That's a good start. Come to Jesus. Let him save you. Let him wash all your sins away. It'll make it a lot easier to avoid them. Some of you have forsaken him in the past, but here you sit close to him again. You know what it's like to run from him, but be be given a second chance. You know what it's like to see your life in ruins and then have it restored. You know what it's like to see the grace and mercy of God so evident in your life, but you also know what it's like to carry the scars. You also know what it's like to still have baggage. You also know what it's like to wonder what could I have done with those years? How much further could I be had I not wasted that time? You know what it's like to cry over the years that you spent in the world when you could have been at Jesus' feet. I need your help this morning. I need your help this morning to convince everybody else that what the Bible says about forsaking God is true. I need your help this morning to convince everybody else that nothing that this world has to offer is worth forsaking the Lord. You made the wrong choice. Let God use your mistake to help others not to make the same one. How do you do that? Well, at the end of the message, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer out loud. But throughout the message, you can say amen. You can say he's right. You can say listen. That will help me. Now, at this time in Israel's history, we need to do a little history lesson here. At this time in Israel's history, they are declining as a nation. King Josiah is ruling at the moment in the 13th year of his reign. King who? Josiah. In what year? 13th year of his reign. He reigns for 31 years, which means he has, math, 18 years left. Yes. (laughs) Woo! The glory days of the reign of King David and the reign of King Solomon. Those are long gone. The temple is still standing physically, but spiritually it is a shell of what it used to be. Idolatry had filled the land by God's own testimony. Judah had more idols than they had cities in their nation. And their military power had greatly diminished. Now it's important for us to take note of that. The greatest victories in Israel's past were not because they had the superior force, they because, it's because they had the superior God. Goliath was not defeated by David because David was stronger than Goliath. Goliath was defeated by David because David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Gideon did not defeat the, the land of Midian whose army was more than could be numbered. He, he had 300 and yet Gideon won because he trusted in the Lord. When King Asa was attacked by a a million-man army, he only had 580,000. When he was attacked by an army that was almost twice as strong as he was, he won, not because he had superior military power or superior military planning, but because he trusted in the Lord. When Joshua defeated Jericho, it wasn't because he had superior military might. It's because he trusted in the Lord. Over and over throughout their history, God had shown them, you do not win battles because of your military power. Your might is found in me. As long as Israel had the Lord, they were never outgunned, no matter how much they were outnumbered. So why is that important? Because at this time in Israel's history, their military had declined and their economy had declined And whenever another nation sees a nation on decline and they smell blood in the water, what are they going to do? They're going to look at taking over, a hostile takeover. Let's make their wealth our wealth. Let's make their land our land. And Israel saw that coming. But instead of reaching out to the Lord, they reached out to another nation to set up a military alliance. They set up an alliance, get this, With Egypt. Now we know, let's just look at it spiritually. Egypt is a picture of the world. So we can say the lesson here is that Israel forsook the Lord and went to the world for help. But it's deeper than that. You you remember Egypt, right? You remember Egypt and Israel. Instead of trusting in the one who freed them from Egyptian slavery... They went to the one who enslaved them. Spiritual leap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Instead of staying with the Lord, they forsook the Lord, sought help from the world. When, when enemies invaded, Israel used to pray. When enemies invaded, they used to go to the Lord. But now when enemies invaded, Israel called for the world Because Egypt had a strong military. And you are gonna come to a choice in your life. You're gonna come to a choice in your life where you face something and you are either gonna trust the one who freed you or you're gonna go back to the place that enslaved you. And Israel made the choice let's go back to Egypt. And you read in verse 14 through 17, God says, let me tell you how that's going to work out for you. Let's read it again. Is Israel a servant? Answer that question for me. Is Israel a servant? No. No, Israel was God's firstborn. Is he a homeborn slave? No. Then why is he spoiled? Why are you living in poverty? Why are you living as if you were a servant? The young lions roared upon him and yelled, they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. Also the children of Noph and Tahaphanes, what cities? Cities from where? Egypt. Egypt, have broken the crown of thy head. Hast thou not procured this unto thyself and that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee out of the way. In, in, in order to ally with Egypt, it was very simple. It was a very simple arrangement. Israel and Egypt had to come to an agreement that Israel would pay Egypt some form of tribute in exchange for military protection. Now, when Egypt, uh, when Israel, rather, paid Egypt for protection, first of all, their wealth is going to deplete, isn't it? So they're becoming weaker in trying to make themselves stronger. In Israel paying them for protection, their wealth becomes weaker But then you can read throughout history whenever it came time for Egypt to hold up their end of the agreement, they never showed up. They never came. Who's king at this moment? Josiah. Josiah, What year of his reign? 13th. What you read in verse 16 is a prophecy. What King Josiah doesn't realize in his 13th year of his reign is that 18 years later, in the 31st year of his reign, he's going to be killed by Egypt. Get this, the very nation that promised to protect King Josiah, in exchange for some money, of course, ends up killing him later. Now, what lesson can we learn there? Israel was not a servant, Israel was not a homeborn slave, and yet God foretells you keep walking down this line and you are gonna live in poverty because you are forsaken me and you have trusted in the world to take care of her. Lesson number one out of four that the Lord gives us as far as forsaking the Lord. Lesson number one, forsaking the Lord and seeking the world will not accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. Now listen to me, I'm your best friend right now. You may not know that, but I am your best friend. No matter what group you're in, if you have chosen to stay with the Lord, if you're thinking about leaving, if you've already left and don't care, if you've already left and wanna come back, or if you've already left and have come back, I am your best friend right now. Let me tell you, forsaking the Lord and seeking the world will not accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. Israel thought that going to Egypt would meet her needs. She found out very quickly, there's a problem with Egypt. They lie. Egypt is a liar and Egypt is a thief Egypt had no problem with taking Israel's resources in exchange for protection that they never intended on giving well that's really rude they're heathen they're the world and likewise with you likewise with you the world tells you I'll give you companionship I'll give you companionship. Now, hang on. In exchange, in exchange for something, okay? Nothing's free. There's no such thing as a free lunch, tin staffel. In exchange, I'll give you companionship. All you have to do is forsake the Lord's idea of companionship and give me your purity. And what you need to understand is the world will happily take your purity and the world will happily take your virginity Hey, single person, I'll give you companionship. Hey, lonely person, I'll give you companionship. Hey, forsaken person, nobody understands you. I'll give you companionship in exchange. Forsake the Lord's idea of companionship and give me your purity. It will happily take your purity. It will happily take your virginity. But when it comes time for the world to hold up its end of the bargain and give you the companionship that it promised you, it won't be there. I'll give you wealth, I'll give you wealth in in exchange. Forsake the Lord's idea of wealth, all that grace stuff, and all that lay up your treasures in heaven junk. Forsake that, forsake the seek ye first the kingdom of God stuff, and give me your focus. Give me the best hours of your day. Give me the strongest years of your life. Give me, give me that and I will make you rich. The world has no problem with stealing your focus. It has no problem with commandeering your schedule. It has no problem with hijacking your priorities. That has no problem with doing it. But when it comes time for the world to hold up its end of the bargain and give you what it told you it would, it's not going to be there. Right. 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 Forsaking the Lord and seeking the world will not accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. You will not be the exception to the rule. Hey, I'll give you peace in your problems. I'll give you peace in your problems. You've lost a loved one. I'll give you peace in your problems. Somebody has hurt you. Somebody's assaulted you. I'll give you peace in your problems. You're a veteran. You're struggling. I'll give you peace in your problems. You're a victim of some crime. You're a victim of some hatred. I'll give you peace in your problems. In exchange, all you have to do is forsake the Lord's idea of peace, and give me, your, give me your sobriety. Give me your mind. Give me your body. Give me your self-control. And I'll give you substances that will give you peace in your problems. The world has no problem taking your mind. No problem taking your self-control. No problem taking your body. But when it comes time for the world to give you peace, you'll find that your problems are still there. And your sorrows are still there. The world has not given you peace in your problems. The world has not taken away your sorrow. It's just made you a sad drunk. It's just made you a sad drug addict. It has not taken away your problems. It's just added to it. Forsaking the Lord and seeking the world will not accomplish what you think. This world will make you promises in order to reel you in that it never intends to keep. Now, if you have left and you've come back and found the Lord again, help me. Am I not telling the truth? It will make promises to you that it never intends to keep because it has no power to keep it. The gate to the world is wide, isn't it? And it's broad and it's flashing in order to reel you in. But you you need to stop looking at the gate and looking at the end. Where does it lead? And it leads to destruction every time. The same world that promises to protect the crown of your head will break it. And you will have nobody to blame but yourself. Hast thou not procured this unto thyself? And that thou hast forsaken the Lord? When he led thee, by the way, you get that? And did you see how I, how I read this? Israel, what hast thou to do in Egypt? Have you ever found somebody where they do not belong? Have you ever found your kids where they do not belong? And you ask, what are you doing here? Right. Yep. Think of what God is asking in verse 18 through 21. Israel, what are you doing in Egypt? <coughs> when I am the one who has led you, what are you doing here? I can expect other people in the world, I can expect other people to go to them for help, but you, why are you here? I'm the one who freed you from this place. I'm the one who brought you out. I'm the. Why would you leave me and run back to them? I'm the one who gave you your nobility. I'm the one who gave you your purity. I'm the one who gave you your royalty. I made you like a noble vine. How then art thou turned into a degenerate? And strange vine to me, the one who gave you everything. Lesson number two, forsaking the Lord is illogical. It is illogical. I, I can't wrap my mind around it. Why would you leave the one who did everything for you? Why would you do that? Why would you leave the one who gave you everything to go to the place that has given you nothing? Why would you do that? The, the people who have decided, I'm just going to stay at the fountain, you know what makes them stay? Stay. The young people that have the, have the testimony of, I grew up in church and I stayed in church even through the hard times and I never went to the world for, to solve my problems, the ones who make that decision make the decision because of this. They look on one hand and they see the fountain of living waters and they look at the other hand and they see the filthy rivers of the world and they think, why would I leave that? Why would I leave that and go to this? Why would I leave the Lord that has given me everything and go to the world that has given me nothing? You know, I have seen plenty of people who have said the world ruined me. I've never seen somebody say the Lord ruined me. I'm just going to stay with this one. You're making the right decision. The easy decision, Nope. not according to your flesh, but you're making the right decision. A decision that a lot of other people in here wish they would have made. Now, if you are thinking of forsaking the Lord, consider deeply what you are about to do. You are about to forsake pure waters and go to dirty waters. You are about to forsake waters that spring up from the source, a fountain. You're about to forsake that and you're going to go to a place where you have to carry your own. And it's filthy. You are about to forsake the one who has done so much for you to go to the place that never keeps its promises. You're about to forsake the God who freed you from bondage and go to the place that put you in bondage in the first place. You are about to forsake the God who made you something special to go to a place that wants to conform you into a mold and make you someone common. They all dress the same. They all talk the same. They all look the same. They all think the same. They want to make you something they didn't want to make you a dime a dozen when God made you a diamond. That's right, amen. That's That's logical. Stay with the Lord. If you've already forsaken the Lord, I've heard this recently. I've forsaken the Lord, and my reasoning is He's done nothing for me. I heard somebody, I've heard somebody say, recently, whenever I needed him, he wasn't there for me. I've heard somebody say recently, I forsook the Lord because he took my mother. You can forsake the one who took your mother. Or you can stay with the one who gave you one. Because there's a lot of people who don't have that. And they've stayed with them. It's all in how you look at it. Don't tell me God has done nothing for you when you live in America. Don't tell me God has done nothing for you when you live in Texas. (laughs) Don't tell me God has done nothing for you when you have a home. You have a roof over your head. And you have clothes on your back. And you have food in your belly. Don't tell me God has done nothing for you. When you have a TV multiple TVs in your living room. In fact, one of the biggest problems that you have is that your house is so big, your Wi-Fi can't reach across it. Don't tell me God has done nothing for you. And don't tell me God has done nothing for you. If you're his child, he has saved you from hell. No, 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 not a political speech. Just say amen. That's good. Praise the Lord. Shake that tree just a little bit. Stay right there for a little bit. You can do all those things. I I feel like a politician when you clap. (laughs) To forsake such a loving God is illogical. And if you haven't realized it yet, you will when the world leaves you barefoot and dying of thirst. If you've forsaken him but you want to come back, you're beginning to see that your choice is not panning out the way that you thought it would. You are beginning to see that the world that promised you so much is not holding up its end of the bargain. You are realizing it is better to stay with a God who is loving enough to punish me when I'm wrong than to run to a world that is hateful enough to cuddle me when I'm wrong. We see all these kids who are running around acting like fools in the the grocery store. And what are their parents doing? Oh, I sure wish you'd come over here. You know, this is embarrassing. Come over here. I'll buy you a candy bar if you come over here. You see that man back there? It's my father. If I ever would have done that, he would have gone to jail. (laughs) Now, any logical judge would have acquitted him. But what I'm trying to tell you is we don't have a child problem right now. We have a parent problem because the parents don't love their kids enough to correct them when they're wrong. And God loves you too much not to correct you when you're wrong. And any uncle, any friend, any other person that will come up to the child behind the parent and say they don't love you, they're not—they're setting all these rules and they're keeping you from fun. You come with me, and I'll let you do all that stuff. That person doesn't love that child one of two things is going to slap a child their parents or reality let it be the parent if you've forsaken God but you found your way back nobody knows more than you how illogical it is to leave the Lord and nothing frustrates you more than to hear other people Talk about forsaking the Lord nothing frustrates you more because you've been there and you've done it and you want to stand up and say I've been to the world and it is not what you think it is (laughs) nothing frustrates an adult that has been in the world to look at a teen that has never tasted the world and said you know what I think I'm gonna try it nothing frustrates you what kid what do you think is over there what commercials are you watching Who are you talking to? You need to understand what that place is. Don't you go there. Stay. The only way somebody can make such an illogical decision of leaving the Lord and going to the world, I mean this with all the love that I can muster, you have to lose your mind. That's why the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because the world has an incredible way of appealing to your flesh so much that your mind shuts off. The world is an expert at getting your body to buzz and your mind to hibernate. Have you ever talked to a kid before that has done something? I keep on picking on the kids, but you're pickworthy, you're like boogers. So. <laughs> Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's go back five minutes or five seconds and live in that time. Okay, so have you ever seen a kid do, so- I'm sorry, hon. Okay, just, she's going to give me trouble about that later. I'm just going to come and preach over here because she's scared. <laughs> have you ever talked to a kid before and you asked them, what were you thinking? Yeah. What were you thinking? Now you don't want them to answer because you know the answer. You weren't. You weren't thinking. That's what I want to hear. I don't actually want an explanation for your answers or for your actions. I just want you to say, I wasn't, Father. That's all I want. I'll be happy. When somebody chooses to leave the Lord and go to the world, God's God is what God's question is. What are you thinking? But I know what you're thinking. You're not thinking anything. Follow, follow along here, okay? The world had so greatly deceived Israel. In verse 22, God says, "You are so filthy, so sinful and wicked. No amount of soap and minerals could wash you clean." But they were so deceived that they say in verse 23, "I'm not polluted. I haven't gone. I haven't gone after Balaam." And God says. Look in the valley next to you. Look in the valley of Hinnom where right now you are taking your own children and placing them in the fire while they are alive to be burnt to death to a God named Molech. And you're telling me you're not polluted? You are so deceived You are so polluted that you can't even, you have become so dirty, the dirt has so enveloped you, you think the dirt is the new clean. Thou art a swift dromedary, traversing her ways. Anybody wanna get in front of a full speed camel and try to stop it? Good luck. How about this one? You're like a wild ass used to the wilderness who snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure. let me, let me just, you're like an untamed, unbridled mule in mating season. That's what God is saying. She's got one thing on her agenda. Good luck trying to stop her until she gets her way. Nobody will weary themselves in trying to find her. When she's pregnant and she's gotten her way, in her month, they'll find her. But right now she's got one thing on her agenda and good luck trying to control her. She's decided what she wants. Don't weary yourself in getting in her way. Her flesh is buzzing, her mind is off. Same with you, Israel. Same with you. I'm trying to tell you, stay. Stay with the Lord. Going to the world is not going to accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. Don't forsake the one who's done everything for you. It will not end well. Withhold thy foot from being unshod and thy, thy throat from being thirsty. Don't put yourself in that position. But you say, no hope. No. I know what I want and the world is promising it to me. I have loved strangers and after them will I go. Lesson number three, forsaking the Lord is caused by unbridled lust within you. I don't care what God says. I don't care what God wants. I don't care what God promises. I know what I want and I want it now. There is nothing more fearful to me as a pastor than to look in the eyes of my people that I love so much and see that you're unbridled. You act the way you want to act, you do what you want to do, you say what you want to say, you avoid what you want to avoid, and you justify it in every single way that you can because you want nothing more than what the world has to offer. And no matter what I do, there's no stopping you. I may as well get in the way of a, of a camel running full speed. I may as well, you're, you're like an animal in mating season with one thing on your agenda. and I can't stop you. You can stop yourself. You can stop following the heart that Jeremiah calls just a little bit later, something that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You know what the word desperate is? I have to have it. Your heart within you says I've got to have wickedness and I don't care if I have to forsake God in order to do it. That's the heart that you're following. Forsaking the Lord is caused by unbridled lust. There's one last lesson, though, and it's the most heartbreaking of them all. Look at verse 26. As the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets saying to a stock, thou art my father, to a stone thou hast brought me forth, for they have turned their back unto me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they will say, arise and save us. But where are thy gods that thou hast made? Let them arise, if they can save you. I I struggled with trying to describe this last lesson. Here's all I can say, and I hope that you follow. Forsaking the Lord is caused by your lust being unbridled. It ends with your life being bridled. Forsaking the Lord starts with this feeling of freedom. I'm just going to do what I want. And it ends with a reality of captivity. Can I say it this way? Forsaking the Lord is blinding and then it's binding. Binding. Forsaking the Lord is a sin that is so powerful. I need you to hear me, and you, you keep messing with this. You keep on messing with fire, acting like it's not gonna burn you. As Brother Ben said the other day, you're sowing seeds of sin and then praying for crop failure. It doesn't work that way. Forsaking the Lord is such a sin, it has such power to it, that whenever you are able, whenever you are able to turn back and go to God, you don't have the willingness. But then over here, when you have the willingness to go back to God, you don't have the ability. That's a tough spot to be. Lord, save us. Save yourself. You're the one who chose to leave. You're the one who amassed these gods to you. You have more gods than you have cities. Let them save you. Well, that doesn't sound very God-like. Don't blame God. He's not the one who forsook you. God called to the Israelites for years, withhold thy foot from being unshod. Don't let your throat get thirsty. Please stay with me. Come back to me. But the entire time they had the ability to do so, they said, no, no, we're not going to do it. And God says the day's going to come when you get yourself in trouble and you're going to have the willingness to come back to me. But the world won't let you. You have the choice to forsake the Lord whenever you wish. Don't think for 1 second that when you your choices get yourself in trouble, that God is obligated to come to your rescue. When you call for him, he's not your rabbit's foot. That is like a woman committing adultery on her husband for years with multiple lovers and then getting herself in trouble and calling her husband. You know what the husband's going to say? Where are your lovers? I tried to get you to stay with me for years. I tried to help you for years. And now you're in trouble and you're calling me? Wherefore wilt thou plead with me? You're the one who transgressed against me. Going to the world, let me give this illustration. Going to the world starts off with the world letting you pick whatever rose you want. Go ahead. Unbridled. You want to pick the rose of pornography? Go ahead. You want to pick the rose of adultery? Go ahead. This is your life. You want to pick the rose of pleasure? You want to pick the rose of entertainment? You want to pick the rose of fashion? You want to pick the rose of music and literature and alcohol and drugs? Go ahead and make a nice, comfortable bed with it. It's one thing about a rose. Once you pick it, it starts to die. And the day's going to come where all that's left is a bed of thorns. And then you're going to call out to God, God, save me. And what he says in this is, I'm going to look back and say, you made your bed. Sleep in it. Do you want to find yourself in that position? Where the only one who can save you. Won't. Forsaking God will not accomplish what you think it will. It's illogical. It's caused by unbridled lust, and it's, it's binding. It holds you longer than you want to stay. Now, those of you who forsook him, but you've made it back to him. Those of you who forsook him, but you made it back to him. You are proof there is a way to return. You are proof that God is forgiving and that God is loving and that God is gracious and merciful. You help me now, you help me now. You made it back, but was forsaking him worth it? No. Was forsaking him worth it? No. Is God loving? Yes. Is he caring? Yes. Is he gracious? Yes. Is he merciful? Yes. Has he given you a second chance? Yes. But has your baggage ever left you? No. Have your scars ever left you? No. No. Do you ever stop regretting the years that you wasted in the world? No, the answer is no. But I appreciate your enthusiasm. For those of you who have chosen to stay, you're making the right choice. For those of you you're thinking of forsaking, destroy it. Destroy that desire. And all those people that were just talking wished they had somebody who loved them enough to preach this message to them. For those of you, you've forsaken, the day will come when you hit rock bottom and you're going to call out and he's not going to be there because he's not your rabbit's foot. Call unto me while I'm near, he says. Forsake your sin now. Don't wait until you hit rock bottom. You come to me now. When I call, when God calls is when you come to him. Not when you call. For those of you, you've forsaken Him, but you're wanting to come back. There is a way back. Now, some wish to return to the Lord just so that He can get them out of their trouble, and then as soon as He does, they're gone. I expect better things of you. That's not what you're doing, is it? If you are away from Him and you want to come back, He wants you back. But are you just coming back so that he can save you? Or are you coming back so that you can serve him? And there is very much a difference. I can tell you of a young man who forsook the Lord, but in the senior year of high school, he called his youth pastor and said, I'm done. I am so done with the way that I am living. His name is Mick Hall. He's the son of Brother Mike Hall, who just preached here two weeks ago, and he's now pastoring in Iowa. I can tell you the story of another young man who, when he was 13, did he go out and do some crazy things? No, never got involved in drugs and alcohol and all those things. Was he in church? Yes. In body. In spirit? No. But he said, Lord, I'm so done with the way I'm living, and I want to live for you. He'll listen. If he sees that you're sincere. Like that prodigal who says, Father, what am I doing here? What am I doing in the world? I want to come back. He will welcome you with open arms. I promise you that he will. I asked you at the beginning where you were on a scale of one to five. A lot of you said that you were a five. I know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. I know it. I know it for a Bible reason. Stay with the one who saved you. Stay with the one who's done everything for you. Don't leave him. If you're a one, two, three, or four, you either know that you're going to hell or you don't know whether or not you're going to heaven or not. Here's first step. You need to come to the Lord and trust him as your savior you can know for sure that you are going to heaven. You need to find and you can find the fountain of living waters today and then you stay no matter what the world offers you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.